Hi, my name is Kira. I tend to forget to introduce myself, so this is what that is. I am a Seattle-based storyteller, writer, uh, podcaster, you name it. I just really want to share the gospel and share how Jesus truly changes everything. So this is your invitation to stay. You can find other episodes as well as my blog, um, any other important links, all in the description. Also, you can check it out on kiragothier.com. That should have everything that you're looking for. But there is grace here. There is love here. There is truth here. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This is what convinced me to see that it makes more sense for there to be some sort of creator, some sort of God. There are three arguments theists will make to show that there is well-supported evidence for God. The cosmological argument, which I've made an episode about. The moral law argument, which I've touched on in the past. And today's, the teleological argument. It states that every design calls for a designer. The universe has a design, so therefore, it has a designer. A few summers ago, I found myself in an awkward situation. I had stumbled onto the realization that I, that I chose to follow the Christian God without ever evaluating the reliability of the Christian faith. This is quite common. As kids, we just believe what our parents believe. We attend or do not attend church based on what they decide to do. In the Bible, Jesus claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. That's a pretty audacious claim for someone to make. But that claim, nor any of the others, really, like, they don't matter if Jesus was a lunatic or if Jesus was a liar. If, and only if, he is Lord, then everything in the Bible matters. If he is who he claimed to be, if he is who who he showed himself to be, then that means the Bible isn't, it's not a fairy tale, it's, it's history. This matters because Jesus offers eternal life. Everybody's journey to discovering which worldview is the most accurate representation of reality, everybody's journey of that looks different. And my journey included doing this entire deep dive on the Christian faith. You're not alone if you need solid evidence to believe something. Me too. Maybe maybe we have that in common. Whatever you believe about the world, a leap of faith is required. It's required at one point or another. The question is, which worldview has the most reasonable amount of evidence? Or in other words, which worldview requires the smallest leap of faith? I want to present the teleological argument to you. I want us to investigate its claims. But before we start, I gotta be honest with you. 
this alone, the, the teleological argument alone does not prove the claims of Christianity. I think it makes an excellent case that the universe calls for some sort of designer, but to point to the Christian God solely off of this claim takes more of a jump than I, uh, than I would like, <laughs> but stay anyway, stay for the episode, stay for the argument, stay for the gospel. The teleological argument says this. It says that every design had a designer. The universe has a highly complex design. Therefore, the universe had an intelligent designer. When we speak of intelligent design, it's, it's the type of design that you look at and, and you know it's way too intricate for natural forces to create it. A watch, a camera, a cell phone, a painting. Even if you did not see it being made, you look at it and you know that the wind nor the rain, like, they could not have created it. Or even if you, uh, if you walked by the dining room table and saw Scrabble letters lined up perfectly to spell the word meticulous, you would know that, that someone must have done that. Those letters didn't just appear in that order and on its own. Even if we simplify it a little bit and you saw the word boy, you would still know that, that there was this designer behind it all. The wind and the forces and rain, they can't just produce this specific and complex message. This is how theists think of the teleological argument. And the two paths they take with intelligent design are the design of life and the design of the universe. I'll tackle the design of life first because though I, I didn't properly appreciate it at the time, I've grown to better appreciate it now. The human body is awfully complex. DNA is this four-letter alphabet that encodes instructions to build all living things. The sequences of these letters provide the instructions to assemble complex protein molecules that in turn form structures like eyes, wings, and limbs. Darwinist Richard Dawkins, a professor of zoology, admits that the message found in the Cell nucleus of a tiny amoeba is more than 30 volumes of the encyclopedia. And furthermore, the entire amoeba has as much information in its DNA as a thousand complete sets of encyclopedias. Meaning it's more than just random letters or random words, but it's a specific message with its specific order. Do you see how this relates to the Scrabble example I mentioned earlier? So the, the design of life includes those types of examples. It really studies the, the complexity for us to exist and function the way that we do. I encourage you to study 
the snot out of the human body. Be blown away by the human body. This, this pathway has impressed me over the years as I've taken classes on biology and now I work in research. As research engineers and as research teams, we spend 40 hours a week studying gait and designing parts to, to build lower extremity robotics for those who have undergone amputations. You have teams not only at the place that I work at, but all over the world, purposefully trying to create things that function as well as the human body. And it's really hard. It's really hard to do that. The body is so complex. To say that we just so happen to have crazy elaborate bodies and functionality is laughable. Or even as I better learn about my own body when it comes to nutrition and fitness, I'm so impressed with how easily my body can adapt to the training modalities I throw at it. I get I get stubborn with how well my my body's metabolism adapts to the way I fuel it and and train it. The more I learn about how complex the body is, the more the more I see a need for a creator. The human body is is better designed than any iPhone, computer or, or Tesla combined. I don't know how to explain its complexity without pointing to a designer. I really encourage you study the human body, be blown away by the human body. A common question that arises when we speak of this observable intelligent design is something like this. Well, what about the human appendix? Why do we have that? Or how how about this one? How come, if if there is a designer, if there is a perfect designer, then how come we don't all have perfect bodies? Uh Uh-oh, do you know how to answer that? Those are, like, these are really good questions. These are common questions. The problem we make when we ask these questions is that we, we, we assume that we know the designer's intentions. When we ask these questions, we make the assumption that the that this perfect designer would have, or rather should have, made us perfectly. But that may not necessarily be the case. Take, for example, your smartphone. I'm sure you have your your own critiques, and you don't know why certain features are the way that they are. But just because it isn't perfect in your eyes, that doesn't mean that there was no intelligent designer behind it all. So I briefly touched on the design of life pathway, but the design of the universe is the second pathway that you can take when we talk about the teleological argument. This is what convinced me that there must be some sort of author to the universe. The anthropic principle is the law of human existence. And it looks at numerous cosmological constants and parameters that allow for life to begin and sustain. 
the number of constants changes depending on the source, but I, th but I think it's safe to say that they're over 120. Over 120 unique parameters for our universe to be the way that it is. For example, oxygen level. On Earth, oxygen comprises 21% of the atmosphere. And this is incredibly precise. At if instead of 21, if we had 25%, well, then fires would erupt randomly. At 15%, human beings would suffocate. The expansion rate is another one of these parameters. If the universe had expanded at a rate one millionth of a second more slowly than it did, then the universe would have collapsed on itself. The 23.5 degree tilt of our Earth is perfect. If it was slightly altered, the surface temperatures would be way too extreme for us. We are 93 million miles away from the sun. We are spinning at roughly a thousand miles per hour. Any of the laws of physics can be described as a function of the velocity of light. Even a slight variation in the speed of light would alter the other constants. And these are just six essential factors. There are over 120 of them. I remind you too that, that we needed every single one of these constants to be just perfect for life to exist. Astrophysicist Hugh Ross calculated the probability that these and other constants would exist today for any planet in the universe. By chance, without an intelligent designer, the odds are 1 in 10 raised to the 138th power for life to exist. Those are the odds. That's quite remarkable. But it it can be hard to imagine what those odds look like. There are 10 to the 80th atoms in the entire universe. It's like a, I took one, colored it pink, threw it back into the universe, and told you you have one chance to find that pink atom. So you decide to go to Delaware, out of all places, and you drive 20 miles east, and you find a trail. You start walking along this trail and you decide you're going to pick up the fourth feather that you pass on your little hike. So you do so, you, you, you pick up the fourth feather that you find and out of all the atoms on this feather, you choose one. <laughs> and there you go, it, it so happens to be the atom that I colored, congrats. So then we do this all over again, except I remove one half of the atoms in the universe. And so I pick one, color it pink, and we do the whole same thing again. You, you got it once, but now I need you to find it again. So you take another plane, but this time you go to Thailand. You go to Thailand and you decide to go to one restaurant and, you know, it turns out you don't actually, you weren't, you weren't craving um, the local food. You instead want to find a 
you want a burger. So then you go to another restaurant that serves burgers and uh, you find yourself in the, the kitchen and you open the dishwasher, pick out one of the forks. And from that fork, you, you find one atom. You get to choose one atom. You choose it and wow, it, it's also a pink atom. Great. The odds of the universe existing by chance are rarer than this pink atom scenario. That's remarkable. That's actually uncomfortable. One in 10 raised to the 50th power is considered mathematically impossible. Consider that. The, the pink atom scenario you're like you're more likely to get that right than for the universe to just so happen to be born into existence and have all of these needed parameters and constants that's uncomfortable people will describe the fine-tuning universe by saying it's like a monkey typing on a keyboard surely at some point if this monkey is typing over and over again it would be able to produce Shakespeare's work, right? Or if you have a room full of monkeys all typing on a computer, surely you'll get something out if you have all the time in the world. That's a, that's a common thought. The problem with this is that we often don't scale it correctly. We saw from the cosmological argument that we didn't have an infinitely long time. Time, space, and matter all formed into existence. We also know that the universe began once. We had one beginning. So I would argue that in order to properly scale the monkey analogy, we have to say it began with one monkey. And the first go, the first go at typing, it, the monkey produces all of the works of Shakespeare perfectly without flaws. In 2003, a group of researchers actually held an experiment where they placed a computer in the monkey enclosure of a zoo. To test this theory, what do you think happened? After a month, they found the computer partially destroyed, and there were about five pages of text, which consisted mainly of the letter S. Not a singular word, not a singular sentence, definitely not anything by Shakespeare. Dr. Plowman said this about the experiments. The work was interesting, but had little scientific value, except to show that the infinite monkey theory is flawed. Another common complaint about the teleological argument is that these assigned probabilities aren't accurate. If we're unable to repeat it, well, how do we really know the odds of something? And that's a fair point. I'll give that to you. Honestly, I didn't think about it until it got brought up when I did my mini-series over summer of uh, 2021. Here's the thing. Even if the proposed probabilities are slightly inaccurate or even way inaccurate. Consider this. Even if you assign an arbitrary 1 out of 10 chance 
to each of these constants, the odds of hitting the 122 are one one thousandth of a trillionth. That's quite impressive. That's quite uncomfortable to claim that we just got lucky because those odds are still unbelievable. This is where I saw a reason for God. I could not explain how things lined up so perfectly. What makes more sense? Is there a designer behind it all, or is it more believable to conclude that this all happened by chance? I think it's kind of ironic how we're so willing to accept that life happened by chance, but we're stubbornly skeptical of the quote, by chance theory with things that are much more likely to happen. For example, there are 52 cards in a given deck. When someone says, guess my card, maybe the first time, I believe it, it's, it's by chance. But to do so five times in a row? No, like something must be up. When someone wins bingo the first time, it's reasonable. But if that person won 200 games, or even, or even three games of bingo all in a row, you think something is up. You, you would likely conclude that either the game was rigged or they cheated. Why? Well, because the odds of that happening seem too rare. It's not believable. This is how theists see the universe. It's too intricate, too complex. Way too complex for everything to line up so perfectly. It's like someone cheated. I believe someone did, and this cheater is the Christian God. But this is why I'm asking you to look outside of science and to consider what all of these fields of, of study have to say. Do not be so quick to rule out science. Do not be so quick to rule out Christianity. Do not be so quick to do what you can to remain consistent with your worldview. Not before you consider what best explains everything about life. This reminds me of a story in the book, Stealing from God. I believe that's the book. It's a, it's a conversation between a boy and a rabbi who both practice Judaism. The boy shares the famous Isaiah 53 passage found in the Bible. Uh, he shares it with his, with his rabbi because it sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus fits the described suffering servant who would then be the savior of the world. So the boy presents Isaiah 53 uh, to his rabbi, but the rabbi immediately rules out that it could be about Jesus because in his words, that's just not what we believe. I share this with you because I don't want us to be that way. I do not want to come off that way. When I first started looking at this evidence, I was doing so to seek truth and to seek the most accurate representation of reality. That meant looking at all of these different theories and, and investigating which worldview leads to the smallest leap of faith. 
I have found it to be Christianity, and I think you will too. The extreme improbability that so many variables would so happen to align in our favor merely by chance has led some scientists and philosophers to propose that that it was God who engineered the universe to suit our specific needs. Every design calls for an intelligent designer, and I believe it's the Christian God. This argument alone does not prove the Christian God directly. You're right. You're absolutely right. But when we, when we combine the cosmological, teleological, and moral law arguments for this so-called creator, this is what we see. We see that the creator of the universe is timeless, immaterial, non-spatial, supremely intelligent, self-existent, infinite, unimaginably powerful, morally perfect. These just so happen to be the same traits that are used to talk about the God of the Bible. I've spent a lot of time looking into, into the evidence that points to and away from a creator. I've spent a lot of time looking at the reliability of the Bible. I've spent a lot of time looking into who Jesus claimed to be. You're going to have to make a leap at some point because we don't know everything about the world. Would you be willing to consider Christianity? I don't know your story. I don't know if you go to church, have never been to church, or briefly tried church for a little bit, but I want you to know that there is another way to do life. There is a better way. According to naturalism, we're just here because things collided ever so perfectly. We're here, but not for any particular purpose. According to the biblical worldview, though, on the other hand, you do have a purpose. You have value. You have an identity. And it's all in Jesus alone. According to naturalism, things just happen. And there's not really any certainty of what will come. But according to Christianity, we have hope. It's Jesus. We have certainty. It's in Jesus. He is the author of the universe. He knows us by name. He loves us fully. And he knows us fully. We're flawed. We're, we're imperfect. We mess up. You have a super sketchy podcast host but though we are all sinners jesus died for us on the cross he died for our sins and accomplished his own resurrection because he is lord it is because of jesus that one day we will be in eternal glory with no pain no suffering it is your faith alone that saves you if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you're saved. One day this world will pass away. But for the Christ follower, the best is always yet to come. Christianity offers hope. Christianity offers 
eternal life. There is a better way, and it's through Jesus. I don't know how you feel about the Christian God, but would you be willing to try out my worldview? Would you be willing to see who this Jesus is? Seek Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the author of the universe. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There is a better way, and it's through Jesus.